Hello and welcome to Casting Seeds, where you, the listener, get to decide, is this topic biblically casting pearls or planting seeds? I'm Savannah, your host. I'm a holistic health practitioner, body worker, alignment specialist, herbalist, and small business owner. I'm also a wife and most importantly, Christian. This podcast is where you get to use God's singular truth for your discernment in individualized healthcare. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Casting Seeds. I am Savannah, your host. Jeremiah, your co-host. And today's episode is episode four, preparing for sex, which also means preparing for marriage and preparing for children. But baseline, preparing for sex. So many of you guys had such great feedback on the last episode about asking about in-depth questions on how ancestrally people prepared for sexual intercourse, how they prepared for marriage. And honestly, just how people used to prepare before, I should say, the turn of the first century in the 1900s, because we've had a turn of the second century. Well, I don't don't know. We just keep turning pages. (laughs) I don't know how to explain that. But basically having ancestral wisdom that has just been lost over the years. And um, yeah, Jeremiah and I were really excited actually to dive deeper into that. We didn't expect it to come up first, but when looking into family and marriage, it does make sense to kind of start at base one, which means getting married and having intercourse because we're talking about Christian sexual intercourse today, which is why just to give you guys the scope of what the episode is going to be, we are going to talk about sexual purpose. Then we'll be diving into um, sexual health then sexual intimacy and sex in context, because we all know sex in the proper context is beautiful and biblical and also sinful. So we wanted to first start off with sexual purpose and what that means biblically, uh, what it means in marriage. And Jeremiah actually did a lot of research on this. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about, you know, the big old question that everyone's been talking about for the past like two three years lately what is a man what is a woman so i just want to jump straight to genesis 2 21 to 24 and just say and the lord lord god caused a deep sleep to fall on adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place then the rib which the lord had taken from man man he made it into a woman. Woman. I mean, this is not hard. And he brought her to be with the man. Yeah. So just a square one. There's men and there's women. And that's it. Yeah. When it comes to gender ideology, there are two genders. And if you are sexually attracted outside of those genders, or if a man is attracted to a man, if a woman's attracted to a woman and it's not the way God created it, those are sinful. Yeah. And Adam said, this is my bone of my bones. Flesh of my flesh. Mm -hmm. I also want to jump over to the intent behind sex and marriage. And that's in Hebrews 13, chapter 4. Marriage is honored among all, and the bed undefiled by fornicators and adulterers, adulterers God will judge. God warns us not to have sex before marriage and tells us that it's honorable to not have sex before marriage. Mm -hmm. So like 
It's giving us the basis for this already. Yeah. So for I'm I actually have a really great which we I have in the show notes already. Mm-hmm. But um, these are eight answers to tough questions about sex, and specifically for teenagers, which a lot of it is like, why should I wait until marriage? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things is too because teens, I feel like especially and young adults, feel like everyone around them has had sex. But these are some really great polls that were taken, and I'm just going to read off these answers just to kind of go along with what Jeremiah was saying biblically. Yeah, we switched roles this today, huh? <laughs> You're doing analytics, and I'm not. I know, right? Um, which is fine. None of this was planned, just like the last one. Uh, so it says, why should I wait to have sex until marriage? And it says here, two-thirds of teens interviewed in the U.S. Um, wish, uh, or sorry, two-thirds of teens who have had Wait, two thirds. <laughs> okay, sorry, this is written out, so it's not anyway. Two thirds of teens who have had sex wish they had waited. That's a huge chunk. Yeah. Um, those who have had sex uh, before marriage. I'm sorry. Those who save sex for marriage are far more likely to experience lasting sexual satisfaction. Satisf- oh my. Satisfaction. No. Wow, I messed sophistication. That one up. Sophistication. With their spouses, mm. sexually transmitted diseases are an epidemic in levels, so many levels of the country, but the most STDs occur in teens and young adults. Yeah, I mean, that's being the most active at that time. Yeah. And sexually active teens are more likely to be depressed. Uh, sex typically speeds up the breakup relation breaking up of a relationship Mm -hmm. having sex can impact your reputation which i think can be really difficult people don't talk about that and some people who are non-christian hearing this will be like oh great someone's gossiping no it when we say it impacts your reputation there are everyone's going to have an opinion about your intimate life whether or not it's your parents or yourself or your best friends or people online and if you share that type of intimacy, especially with a broad scope of people and you're very loud and proud about it, you're going to have a type of reputation, which is very, very common nowadays. Also, you are special and you're worth waiting for. And God designed sex in marriage to be between two, a man and a woman, and two people who are committed to each other. That's Genesis 2.24, which Jeremiah was reading. Also, is everybody really having sex? No, they are not. Uh, recent studies show in the U.S. that over 50% of all high schoolers are virgins. Wow. Yeah. So That's good news. People think that like kids and teenagers are having sex like crazy. It's over. It says here 53.9% mm. and growing. Also, that we're going to get into pornography at, at the end, but uh, there is also some info here about pornography. But to talk about also what is a virgin, um, a virgin is anyone who has never had intercourse, which includes oral, vaginal, or anal sex. Mm. Um, many teens falsely assume and young adults that they're still virgins because they've only had oral sex, which is not true. And, you know, interesting. I'd so on and so forth. Never thought about it that way. Yeah. they And so the, the next thing is that a lot of teenagers ask, and especially young adults is, well, is an oral sef- sex safe? And actually most yeah, that's STDs. No, definitely not safe. Yeah. Well, most STDs are spread from oral sex because people don't think about how just regular herpes of the mouth mm-hmm. goes to genital yeah. herpes, but it doesn't happen the opposite way around. One problem with oral sex is that the intimacy of sex can be removed, and many girls often feel used after performing the act, especially if it's not with a husband. 
So it can, that's what literally can cause people to not do oral sex in marriage is because of them doing outside of marriage. And some STDs, including genital herpes, syphilis, and chlamydia are easily, and if not more easily spread through oral sex. Mm. So then the question is that people come with is how far is too far? And the best thing that I say is like, well, that's like asking how close can I get to sin without sinning? Yeah. <laughs> no. Philippians 4, 8 says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good repute, good reputation, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, well done on these things. So it's not how close can I get to sin without sinning. Yeah. It's how can I glorify God through every single aspect of my life, even through my thoughts, right? Because if you even look at somebody with lust, you're already sexually yeah. sinning. So many people are eager to like have sex and have that experience. Like they always question, question it. it's like, why should I save myself? Yeah. And like as a Christian, the reason why we should save ourselves is because like, Ourself is not our own body. Yep, we're you know, made in God's image. We're, we're God's, and then we're, like, second to that, we are our future husband or wife's. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to bring up this Bible verse, Proverbs 3, 5, 6, and trust in the Lord with all your heart, mm-hmm. and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. So you should always rely on God and make him your number one and not search for sex just because you're bored or stressed or whatever. Yeah. Well, because I think sex can become a very easy outlet. Well, It's a drug. And I'm going to get into masturbation after this. But but the last thing I was going to say, because also it can feel, especially for me as a woman, and I went into this rut because Jeremiah and I both had sex outside of marriage with other people before we were before we were saved, and even when I was claiming Christianity. Whoa, whoa, shouldn't we have talked about this before you shared this? I'm kidding. (laughs) Could you imagine? (laughs) Yeah, we talked about this way before even premarital. So. That would have been such a bomb. I don't think you would have been like, oh, wait, what? Yeah. Uh, but I do I do want to say to anyone who has already had sex, like Jeremiah and I, you don't have to sit here and throw a pity party or recommit yourself to purity in a way that's like, oh, I'm going to go get baptized as if that cures it because it doesn't. Yeah. It's a circumcision of the heart. And I think a good thing, like when you say like today, you know what, today is going to be the day I'm going to now re-ask the Lord to help purify me in my heart, because that's what's most important. Your flesh will forever be your flesh until you're in the new kingdom come. But the most important thing is, um, I think it's good to ask yourself some tough questions. One, why did I start having sex? Two, was I pressured into it? Because there are, you know, sexual things that happen outside of marriage that are children and teens and young adults are pressured into it. And, or there's also the R word. Um, Three, was I looking for love and I thought sex would fill that void? And then, which that's a, that's a big one. And then lastly, was I merely curious? Mm. Um, because we experience God's total forgiveness, especially in 1 John 19. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us in our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And remember, it says he is faithful and he is righteous to forgive us in our sins. We can't forgive ourselves. 
That's not what it's about. It's not about this whole me self-healing journey. It's about allowing and understanding that a perfect God came and died on for our sins on our behalf to then take on our sins and cleanse us. It's not the other way around. We can't self-cleanse in any way. So when you truly repent, it's understanding what that means. And God doesn't offer partial forgiveness or conditional forgiveness, but he offers total forgiveness. And it's also not conditional, but God loves you and he desires all of you, even the part that's fulfilling for sex and love and marriage and every relationship possible. But I want to say too, even in my own intimacy with Jeremiah, there are times where I also don't necessarily feel like making love to my husband, but I know it would be a wonderful thing and it would really help him and love on him in the moment. And I can't tell you ladies how many times I have prayed and asked God to literally, and I know it sounds strange, but I've asked him to literally be a part of our our intimacy together. And no, I think he's number one. Well, Being intimate with the Lord is the greatest way you could be intimate with your wife. Well, I'll literally ask him for help and be like, I want you to be present. I want you to show me what my husband wants and what would please him and love him and help him feel good. And yeah. I'm not joking when I say those are literally the best experiences I've ever had with my husband. So... And I, I, that people may hear this and be like, well, this is TMI. I, no, I feel like these are the things that when we're talking about holistic health, especially holistic health, we need to understand that sex is a beautiful and amazing part of marriage. Absolutely amazing. And it's not something we should shy away from or feel embarrassed about. And it's not that you need to be graphic to explain these things because we're not going to be graphic, Yeah. but we want to be helpful. And we want people to understand that it's okay to talk about these things with safe friends, obviously safe circles with, I call them your discipled 12, whoever, whoever your ironing, sharpening iron people are, and also people who are discipling you. And, or if you feel comfortable with the people you're discipling, because those are all of the relationships that you should have in your life yeah um do you want to do you have anything else that you'd like to say before i get into masturbation (laughs) wow i I don't think i've ever heard (laughs) i don't think i've ever expected in my life to hear that part of this conversation (laughs) well it's under sex and marriage like we're still under the first topic yeah yeah definitely um just going back a little bit here after you you know you repent to the lord about having you know, sex outside of marriage. I, I honestly think a good thing to think about is how you're going to have this conversation with your future spouse, you know, your husband or wife. Mm-hmm. And just prepare that conversation and just, you know, talk to, to the Lord about it. And I think the next step would be just really thinking about what you have done and how you can in the future change it. And and I don't mean with the Lord or with your husband or wife. I mean in your microbiomes so like our microbiomes are changing as we have different sexual partners and that's in sexual health that's coming next i know but i just i really think like that is a good spot to end from this point because like i feel like a lot of people are gonna be wondering it's like okay so you know you're repent and you guys we're talking about a holistic health so what's the next step so that next step is coming up well the next step is coming up but before that now that you're deciding not to have sex anymore with another person you now need to figure out is masturbation a sin in yeah. marriage and outside of marriage so and i i have some passages that are because that's going to be a temptation especially if you're single who doesn't yeah, especially for men 
And I can give a bunch of examples I'm why not, men I have... Hate, I'm not going to lie. I hate it when people say especially for men. It, it, it's a little different. I would... I, you know what? We're going to find out if it's different. Let's find out. <laughs> okay. Well, women are very sexual. Like, okay. So women are very sexual creatures, but not in a very physical, like the way we view things. Mm-hmm. We're sexual in the fact that, you know, like it's that little like brush up against someone. It's the way that guys, or I should say men speak to us and treat Mm -hmm. us and sometimes especially if you grew up if you didn't grow up with like that safeness from a father figure or a brother like figure whatever it is it it gets kind of blurred and confused because then men will treat you nicely and then they take it women as like a oh this is wow this is so attractive and it happens a lot especially when women first meet christian like non-christian women meet christian men because they are chivalrous, they should be, you guys, <laughs> chivalrous and kind. And they're not like a, trying to attack people sexually. They're trying to get to know women intimately. And like, it's it's very different. So with that being said, is masturbation in or out of marriage a sin? Um, passages that are frequently used, I'm going to bring them up. Genesis 38, 9 through 10. It's the story of Onan. I think this is how you say his name. Um, some interpret this passage to say that when he's spilling seed, that he's squandering like semen, basically, and that's a sin. However, this is not what the passage is saying. God condemned Onan for not spilling his seed, but because Onan was rebellious, Onan refused to fulfill his duty to provide an heir for his deceased brother. So this passage is actually talking not about masturbation, but it's talking about fulfilling a family obligation that God called him to. So you can scratch that one. Um, A second passage sometimes is used as evidence for masturbation as a sin is Matthew 5, 27 through 30. Jesus spoke against having lustful thoughts and then says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. And I get where often this is the connection between lustful thoughts and masturbation, but it's not likely that Jesus was specifically talking about masturbation. And normally whenever I hear people preach and teach about this, (laughs) it's actually when you're causing your brother in Christ to sin or yourself to sin in general. So masturbation could be a part of it, but it wasn't specifically about masturbation. And um, though the Bible nowhere explicitly addresses masturbation, it does outline a purpose of sex according to especially to 1 Corinthians 7, 2 through 5. Each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. So not with yourself? <laughs> no. <laughs> or other randos or whatever. Gotcha. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body but yields it to her husband in the same way before people freak out. The husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. And they both, this is not in the verse, but they both have no authority over God. He has authority over both of them. Continuing in the verse, do not deprive each. um, I'm sorry. Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time. So like fasting, for instance, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Okay. Yeah. So like fasting, (laughs) then come together in that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. That right there, first Corinthians seven, two through five, 
is a perfect outline of what sex is. You could have just told me self-control and I would have understood. I know, sorry. Well, anyway, God, so God's plan for sex requires relationship, namely that the husband and wife, in verse 2, are together. Masturbation is sex disconnected from the relationship, right? Because mm-hmm. masturbation specifically means alone. Um, f- and foundational to God's plan for sex is giving one's body over to another, and masturbation is keeping of one's body to oneself. The solution to a time of de- uh, deprivation ends with coming together. So even in verse 5, it says, we're, we're separating purposely because we're fasting, we're staying together, we're trying to defeat the enemy together, so we're not going to have sex together, we're going to pray together. But then you come together in the end and make love. And then masturbation is done alone and not together. 1 Corinthians 7, 9 identifies the proper outlet for single people who struggle with sexual desire. If they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. And Paul suggests that self-control is the best avenue. To singles who lack self-control, Paul does not say, let them masturbate. (laughs) He says, let them marry. Again, marriage is the God-given outlet for sexual yearnings. And I get a lot of singles are probably rolling their eyes like, okay, Savannah, I'm on dating apps. I'm trying. I'm doing my best. Okay, well, that's also, that's between you and the Lord and your timing for marriage. So if God has a specific time designed out for you to be married, then you need to practice self-control and not masturbate. It's just the biblical way. Um, those that believe masturbation has no moral or ethical import to argue that masturbation is a need, um, or like you should scratch the itch, then you're also wrong. (laughs) The Bible never presents sexual fulfillment as a need ever. And on the contrary, Paul says the unmarried to the unmarried, it's better to stay unmarried completely. So if you don't have that desire, if you feel like, oh, you know what? I actually don't really need sex. Then first Corinthians seven, eight is your best, best friend. But overall, um, if you do struggle with lustful thoughts, inappropriate sexual stimulation, pornography use, uh, anything under that, then you do, or even like in any way that masturbation would be tempted inside or outside of marriage, it is good to see either a biblical um, counselor, talk to your community around you to hold you accountable. Yeah, somebody you trust, not just anybody. Yeah, you yeah. Don't, don't go around <laughs> sharing to everyone that you struggle with masturbation. Speak to people who can hold you accountable. And that even includes, if you're a teenager listening to this, your own. if you really do trust and have a good relationship with your parents, you know, because they should be the ones that care about you more than anyone else in this world. And try not to go to your teacher. <laughs> yeah, no. Go to, unless it's like a biblical teacher, yeah. but then a true good biblical teacher will and should talk to your parents about it as well. And it shouldn't be embarrassing. And like I've said before, if you have that self-conscious, uncomfortable uh, yearning, or um, I should say, I guess a a shame. If you feel shame or conviction over something, that's healthy. That's the Holy Spirit talking to you and saying, hey, you shouldn't do this. And it's not, I hate the agenda that's being pushed out there right now, that if you feel any shame in anything that you do, then it's not healthy. Er, Wrong. Literally in Proverbs, Proverbs 1-7 says that once you fear the Lord is the first step to wisdom. Having conviction and feeling shame or embarrassment because you're afraid to face God in something means that you're actually one step closer once you repent 
to having wisdom in your life. So it's just outworldly. So masturbation, is it a sin? The Bible doesn't directly answer this question, but definitely there are some biblical principles to apply. So is masturbation a sin? The Bible doesn't really directly say or answer this question because masturbation isn't mentioned, but there are definitely some biblical principles to apply. One, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. That's 1 Corinthians 10.31. So if we can't give glory for something, um, we probably shouldn't do it. <laughs> Two, everything that does not come from faith is sin. That's Romans 14.23. If we are not fully convinced that an activity is honoring to God, then it's probably sin. Three, I will not be mastered by anything. 1 Corinthians 6.12. Christians should have a responsibility to avoid anything that might enslave them. So if it's an itch you need to scratch, if it feels like there's something that you can't control, you need to go do something else. Um, Four, I have just a few more. I discipline my body and keep it under control. That's 1 Corinthians 9.27. Self-denial is difficult, but self-discipline is definitely worth it. That's Mm. basically what it's saying. Five, the fruit of the Spirit is all of them, right? It gives all the fruits of the Holy Spirit, but the last one is self-control. Yep. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. Masturbation is almost always a sign of lack of self-control. I'm not, if I'm being honest. And six, the last one, do not glorify, I'm sorry. Yeah. Do not glorify the desires of the flesh for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Galatians yeah. 5, 16 through 17. So we're called to self-denial and not self-gratification. And that's self-gratification. Exactly what that is. Yeah, it's yeah. When, whether it's in marriage or outside of marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and something else I just want to note, um, just like warning, you know, from masturbation. Masturbation causes your brain to kind of desensitize to to like kind of like building a callus on your hand you start to mm-hmm. build that on your on your private parts yeah and also however you do your thing masturbation mm-hmm. uh that also trains your brain to want a certain type of stimulation yes which means it makes it more difficult for your uh spouse to do that with you yeah so and and that's the thing too these truths should have an impact on what we do with our bodies but it's also in the light to observe principles, right? So in light, we observe our bodies with our husband and with our wife. In light, we can't lust in the heart. We don't have immoral thoughts. We don't look at pornography. We have no self-gratification of the flesh. We fulfill and have assurance that God has given us beautiful bodies. But it's just, it's, I, I don't understand how people personally, after hearing these things, could ever look at masturbation as anything other than a sin. But at the end of the day, the Bible doesn't directly say masturbation is a sin. So some people still see it as a gray area. And this would be to some people a casting pearl and to others casting it or planting a seed. And I do pray and hope that this is specifically planting a seed for you guys, because Jeremiah and I uh, vowed to each other when we first got married that we actually would not masturbate inside our marriage and that we would only be with each other during sexual experiences. And we've been away from each other for 
long periods of time. I think the most is a week since we actually got in, got married. And when you were gone, I actually I don't remember struggling with that, but we also just had had a miscarriage. So our mm-hmm. our most recent miscarriage. So that was literally probably the last yeah. thing on my mind. And you and were I was a, way too busy. You were at a men's retreat. <laughs> so there's no way. <laughs> yeah, I had a roommate. I was lots of accountability. Gross. I was like, what? Anyway, um, with that being said, the next part of this is sex is between a man and a woman. So uh, in scripture, marriage is viewed as a convenient, uh, I'm sorry, a convenient relationship. No, it's not. It's viewed as a covenant relationship between a man and a woman. And that's in Malachi 2, 14 through 16 and Proverbs 2, 16 through 17. Two people become dependent on each other and responsible for one another this human bond in marriage is a metaphor for God's relationship with Israel, and that's in Ezekiel 16, 8, as we all picture under the union between Christ and his church. But whoever is united, the Lord is one with him in spirit in 1 Corinthians six seventeen and Ephesians 5, 31 through 32. So all of this scripture, um, which don't hesitate to go back and write down if you need, it proves that marriage should and only be between man and woman, and it represents how Christ is also head of the church. I tried to find ones that weren't all just Ephesians 5, but... Just read Ephesians 5. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just read Ephesians 5 if you get confused. But I just wanted to show that in Old Testament and New Testament, God is the same God, and he has always only ever believed sex is between one man and one woman under a covenant marriage, the same way that God has made a covenant with us, with one union. But... Uh, lastly, sex also leads to children. So that's why this next segment about sexual health that we're going to lead into, um, if you are not preparing your body, like I said, actually in the last episode, if you're not preparing your body a minimum of two to four years beforehand for sexual intimacy, you could have problems with, um, body odor and vaginal and urethral areas where, um, and even, Around the scrotum as well, especially, yeah, um, oral, also oral health as well. There are so many things, but um, I'm going to go over kind of the 10 things that we're going to talk about under sexual health. And this is, I know this is a big episode, you guys, and we have a lot of information in it. This one's going to be more about um, health and the sciences behind it. But we wanted to start off saying that what sex sex's purpose was under God before we got into this next segment, because if you understand sexual purpose in the kingdom, then sexual health is going to be so much easier for you, especially for implementing that for your children and preparing them for when it's time for them to actually date and be ready for marriage. So with that being said, the things that we're going to talk about is uh, one gut and vaginal microbiome two vitamins and minerals that are good three lubricants and how you can make it as well because that actually tends to be the healthiest option because people just put things inside of them and it's just horrible (laughs) um four herbs that help sexual intimacy five dilators six kegels and pelvic floor wands so like actual kegel tools that women can use and men as well uh Seven, seeking a pelvic floor specialist and what that means or looks like and whether or not you'd think you need one. Eight, make sure you're in good alignment and what that means. What on earth does good alignment mean for sex? 
Nine, getting blood work and labs before intimacy and checking, like checking sperm count, eggs, and all that stuff. Uh, and then last one, 10, mental and emotional check-in, which I know Jeremiah kind of already mentioned about your own sexual experiences in the past and views in sex and marriage and how to discuss that with your spouse. I know this sounds like it should be its own episode, but it's really easy to simplify. And if people really want us to go more in depth, depth into sexual health, we can, but I feel like it, it doesn't need it. I feel like you have to go in depth with your own sexual health, to be honest, and find the right health team to support you through that. Right, yeah. love? Mm-hmm. Jeremiah, do you feel like before we get into this, you were prepared as a guy in sexual health in any way? Do you feel like, did people have, have you even heard of that before? Um, no. <laughs> That's fair. No. I feel. I didn't like, even know like women had many cycles out of their, like, I just thought it was one cycle. You know, you had one month and that, that was, that was it. And then you menstruated. And then you menstruated. <laughs> yeah. No. That's fair. I mean, a lot of women don't discover what ovulation is until they're trying to get pregnant. Isn't that crazy? That's nuts. How do you know your own body if you don't even know that? Yeah, exactly. And men need to understand that too in order to support their wives and vice versa. If women don't understand themselves, how can we explain our feelings or emotions or what we're going through to our husbands? That's why I had to learn. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone gets lost. Uh, so one, starting with gut and vaginal biome. Uh, Jeremiah and I actually have been going through this and this is actually what we believe. I mean, God also is the one who decides who gets life and who doesn't, but we've had, we had four miscarriages last year and we also weren't even trying to get pregnant for any of them. But we also looking back, realizing we weren't also not, not fully trying. Well, yeah, that, that we did discuss that when we started. Well, we, but we thought though. Like, oh, it would you take know, longer. Well, okay, yeah. <laughs> Which that also gets into like the second to last point because anyway. So with that being said, I, I guess the best way to explain it for you, because like the listener, we found out that our microbiomes were so unmismatched and just fighting with each other so badly and under such chronic cellular inflammation that our babies weren't surviving it. So our own bodies, especially mine, but Jeremiah's sperm, because he, he even did a urine test. Um, we both took two urine tests that showed how much inflammation, which I love. Could you actually look up the name of the inflammation urine test while I'm talking about this? Um, thank you so much. So we both took these urine tests and I thought mine was going to be bad. Mine was a level eight out of eight, <laughs> which is really bad. And Jeremiah's was past an eight which is crazy. But we got these expensive tests and then we were frustrated because we found out you can get them for pretty cheap on Amazon and it will tell you the exact same thing, but it tells you how intense your cellular inflammation is. And so from there on, we tried a million different things. And honestly, Stacy, our, our holistic nutritionist, and also Aaron, my other um, holistic nutritionist, both of them together made such a huge difference in our lives. And one is more naturopathic. And then the other one is she's naturopathic, but a lot more science-based behind it. I can't even tell you guys, once we started figuring out our gut biomes, and that means figuring out genetically where our makeup and our background is from, and then eating ancestral type of diets and living more of ancestral lifestyle, that already just alone 
gave Jeremiah and I a leg up and we, people started asking us if we were losing weight and working out. We did nothing different except we started eating better fats. We started, um, eating a ton, way more protein than we were before. And on top of that, we started getting, uh, we did a bacterial cleanse, uh, with Stacy. And then I did, we did Stacy's, uh, what she prescribed for us and finding out what type of parasites we had, uh, which did the bacterial cleanse really helped me. And then the, uh, parasite cleanse really helped Jeremiah. And, um, Aaron gave us another type of, uh, clean or bat parasite cleanse as well. And that did not help Jeremiah as much, but it really helped me. So that's why we tried different things and we weren't afraid to do it. And that started changing our gut biome and we felt more awake. We slept better. We started taking, which also I'm going to get into vitamins and minerals next, but our, once we started flushing everything out, then we started adding the good stuff in. Did you find it love? I think it's just called the inflammation test. Okay. So the urine inflammation test, Yeah, we can confirm that and put it in the show notes after, but the next part is vitamins and minerals that are good. So if you're preparing for pregnancy and or sex, you need to have very high amounts of vitamin A, vitamin D and vitamin K copper, especially if you want to have grays prematurely have no copper in your diet, take tons of iron and no copper, because if you take extra iron, your body already remakes iron at 99%. So if you're adding an extra iron, your body goes, oh, there's too many metals and flushes. So you're now flushing all these extra minerals out of you. The standard American diet, the SAD diet, is so lacking in zinc, magnesium, and I mean all the types of magnesium, not just magnesium citrate that everyone takes, but all the types of magnesium, all nine of them. So zinc, magnesium, um, minerals, like good salts and minerals. And then what was the other one? Oh, vitamin A and K, like copper, uh, retinol, and then vitamin D. So all of those are, if you could help yourself, but that's the thing. If you don't first flush out the bad stuff and then add in the good stuff, if you just take in all the good stuff and the bad stuff is eating it up, it's just going to, there's no point. You got to flush out the bad, bring in the good, which is step two. And step three is once you're feeling good, now you should have natural and good and healthy lubrication. And then you will notice that downstairs, your lady bits will start to smell better. Your breath will start to smell better because those two things are connected. And even your armpits, all that stuff. And I think, Jeremiah, you even noticed a difference in both of us, right? What I noticed was when we like actually started having sex, that our microbiomes are starting to match. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what I noticed. How did you notice that? Smells. Smells, yeah. Smells, your, your urine and my urine, urine started to match in, in the smell and then... Um, also the foods. Foods, yeah. I can eat spicier. You can't eat as spicy anymore. And is there anything else you notice besides foods or smells? Because Jeremiah could literally smell when I was... I know this sounds gross, but you know when like after you use the restroom, you can tell when somebody used the restroom. They have like yeah. a certain smell. He could tell I was pregnant before I even was. He could tell my urine smell different yeah i mean that that's not all i mean i've I've been able to smell a lot of different things off of just savannah um it's like we became i mean we truly did become one flesh it's like we became tailor-made for each other and again people may be like what the heck are they talking about and other people may 
totally relate. But we also, me being in the holistic field, we notice these things and pay attention to these things. And these are also things that our ancestors have been talking about forever. Like if someone smells disgusting to you, either their gut biome is super off or they're also really close to you genetically. So you wouldn't want to be with that person. There are so many helpful things. Pheromones. Yeah. Well, the pheromones is a part of it, but there are so many, I mean, like it's, you know, like to find a good mate, essentially people would, you could smell each other or like be like that person. I literally like even their BO makes me like I could never even that he may look attractive, but I couldn't even kiss him, let alone get close to him. So things like that are just important to understand um, your own body and why it's saying what it's saying. But three, this is kind of fun, a lubricant. Um, There are different kinds of lubricants. There are silicone-based, there are oil-based, and then there are water-based lubricants. And I would say there's even a fourth one, which is like an all-natural lubricant. I Vaginally, women tend to dry up more when you use a water-based lubricant. So like people have talked about, you know, trying to make love in the jacuzzi pools, I don't know, in the ocean. The ocean's really salty. It's probably not going to be great for your pH. And then same with the chlorine levels of pools and stuff like that. But even if it's just the shower... Have you ever noticed, ladies, that it's a little difficult in the shower? It's not because it's slippery and everything's crazy. You're going to fall down. It's because your internal lubricant doesn't match the water pH. Your internal pH is different. So, yeah, gentlemen, don't don't just spit. That's disgusting. Why um, did you say? Because it's true. I so many men think it's such a great idea. That is true. To just do that, and to be honest, it just counter counterproductive all the way around and the bacteria i was gonna say the bacteria actually is the most gross part um especially if people have not brushed their teeth and things like that that can actually yes so maybe it is a good thing that you said that but grosses me out people think it's lubricant they do and holistically (laughs) it's not i'm gonna tell you and so same thing with oil i would say out of all of things that we listed silicone is obviously going to be very slippery, but it creates a biofilm and that film uh, can internally last for a long time. So if you are using that inside of yourself, ladies, and for with your husbands, or if you guys decide to use any type of um, toys as well, I'm not saying that you can't or shouldn't use it, but professionally, um, I've heard and seen a lot of research where especially if um, objects are not cleaned properly or if your husband's penis has also not been cleaned properly, anything that's on the penis bacterial wise and or it just it can cause infections because it sits a lot longer in you vaginally. It's you can't just like urinate it out after sex. Um, What was the other ones? Water based, silicone based, oil based. That was the other one. So oils are actually really wonderful. Um, If you get the right kind, I would never recommend any type of seed oil Though for a while, uh, I did read that a lot of people loved avocado oil because it's scentless and uh, doesn't have a lot of taste or flavor on top of that. But the only thing is when you use things like avocado oil or coconut oil, um, again, if it's not if it's not stored properly, it can become rancid. So then you're putting in the most absorbent part of a woman's body and up possibly a really high omega-6, so basically rancid oils. Uh, or um, it could also have bacteria in it already. 
because you didn't store it properly or you like let's say you also use it in the kitchen like make your own special <laughs> jar of it you can also um a lot of people that i know friends around love using almond oil sweet almond oil but again making sure it's not rancid and oil does go bad once it's opened in about two to three months so if you have all sweet almond oil that you don't use very often you need to store it in the fridge or in the freezer um that's why to me all of those above are not my favorite my absolute favorite is getting something like aloe vera gel that is wonderful uh, and there are all natural brands is <laughs> looking at this me. is getting weird <laughs> i'm sorry there are all natural brands <laughs> That allow uh, that do make aloe vera gel or things like that, mm -hmm. but you can just go to your local store. Jeremiah's dying right now. You can go to your local store and use. I wouldn't say use like peppermint essential oil because that would burn like as intensely. But you can make your don't own. Don't use an essential oil at yeah. all. Yeah, I would say don't use an essential oil. Um, but if someone really wanted to, they could. And it's like and one, I would say one drop to like. A, Stay like away from food colorings and yeah, just keep it as basic as possible. Yeah. Or you know, gentlemen, really take the time to actually turn your lady on. Well, that, I was actually going to ask, like, <laughs> are you going to talk about natural lubricant? Because <laughs> you know, we we both produce it. Yes, well, yes, <laughs> but here's the thing: there are actual like medical conditions, and mm. also like women who are, um, you know, uh, maybe have like pain and stuff like that. Or even, which is, there's no shame in those things. Uh, or even women going through menopause or just older women in general. It's mm. really hard to stay more naturally lubricated and for a longer period of time. Or after a woman ejaculates as well. It's more difficult for them to stay, well, let's just say it, more wet afterwards. Okay. So. She said it. <laughs> but these are, that's why I'm saying these are good things for people to know. I, I, I want them to know all of the different options, but I also want you guys to make the best decision for you. Uh, with that being said, going it, in. It makes sense now that you said that. Right? Yeah. And I agree. Obviously, you guys can probably tell what Jeremiah and I used because the moment I mentioned aloe vera, he like turned hot pink and got awkward. So. But it works, right, honey? Love you. Moving on. So now the next part is herbs and... <laughs> She's used to doing these conversations because of her practice. <laughs> I am. Actually. I am not used to this, and especially knowing that women are listening, it's so it is uncomfortable. Like <laughs> if it was a bunch of guys listening, it's totally cool. Why is it? Why is that cool? Just because. Oh, that's so funny. Okay, well, um, I <laughs> I do want to talk about herbs that help promote those natural lubricants internally. Hey, you guys, Savannah here. Thank you so much for listening to episode one, Planting Seeds of Life, Biblical Sex. Jeremiah and I had so much information in this episode, we had to break it up into two separate episodes. So be sure to tune in next Wednesday at 6 a.m. for part two. Please keep praying over our podcast. We need as much wisdom and discernment and facts as possible. Thank you so much for listening to part one and can't wait to see you next week. Keep casting seeds. We hope you enjoyed learning how to cultivate God's creation from a biblical perspective. Holistic health is to prioritize whole person wellness through Christ. Like and comment on what topics we're casting seeds or casting pearls. If you found this information provided useful, subscribe to our podcast for future updates. 
leave a review to help us improve, and share this episode. We would like to remind you before we leave that perfect health cannot be attained in this world. Only spiritual salvation through sanctification and repentance to God and turning away from sin will give you a perfect body in the kingdom come. Nourish yourself in the word, in prayer, and in biblical fellowship daily. Thank you for joining us today, and a special thank you to our listeners for making this podcast possible. Always praying. Keep casting seeds.